How's everybody this morning? It is cold out there. Uh, about zero degrees here uh, in Belmont, Maine this morning. And uh, it will warm up a little bit during the day and then it's going to plummet, I believe, uh, if I recall. I mean, that, that is newsworthy. That is noteworthy that we're going to see the temperatures doing what it is that they say that they're going to do. Uh, actually, right now it's saying it's it's a heat wave. It's two degrees. It's supposed to drop to minus one here before seven o'clock. Uh, but as we go through today and into tomorrow, uh, actually tomorrow gets warm, but then Friday. Am I in the right? There we go. Yes, into Friday. 
2 o'clock Friday afternoon, zero, minus 15, I mean minus 2 at 3 o'clock. By 9 o'clock at night, minus 12. Uh, and then continuing on down to about minus 16 at uh, 6 a.m. on Saturday. Hope you'll be ready for that. Uh, heading into the uh, colder weather, uh, some recommend that what you would do is that you would turn up the heat in your house, get your house warm, because if the house is warmer to begin with, that, that kind of helps maintain some temperature. But do what you need to do. Uh, bundle up, stay warm, watch your water, and uh, uh, maybe open the cabinets of your kitchen sink, or your bathroom sink, um, for any cold air that could come off the back uh, outside walls. So just, just to be uh, cautious that way that you wouldn't have any... Uh, Frozen water issues, that would be no fun at all. So, uh, But stay warm as we head into this weather. We are in Luke chapter 17, down at verse 20, and uh, we're going to jump right in over there this morning. Uh, once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, looking at this statement does not come with careful observation. Sometimes the, uh, the Jewish people thought, well, we, we can observe our way by observing the law, uh, or um, we can observe our way into the kingdom of God by observing, practicing, putting into practice the moral aspects of the law. Those are the things that will bring the kingdom. And, and Jesus is saying, no, it, it's not your observation of the law, of the moral code that is going to bring the kingdom. Or people who would run around and saying, well, the kingdom of God is at work in that place or the kingdom of God is at work in that place. And that's where it is, and that's where you'll find it. No, uh, actually, the kingdom of God resides in the life of the believer. That is what Jesus is trying to say. There's, there's an already and not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. It's already here because the kingdom of God is within you and I as believers, as followers of Christ. The kingdom of God is in us in that way. But there's also the aspect that the fullness of the kingdom of God experienced among all people is yet to come. Christ will yet come and will yet reign on this earth. And in that way, the kingdom of God is, is not yet here. So there is an already present aspect of the kingdom of God because we have the spirit of God. We are sons of God daughters of God. We are royalty in that sense. So in that way, the kingdom of God is already here. The Spirit's working uh, in us and among us, the kingdom of God here in that way. Uh, and yet the kingdom of God is yet to come. Now, there are some who would take this theologically and say, yes, the kingdom of God is here because it is in us, but they believe the kingdom that is yet to come has already come and, uh, and that we're at the best we're going to get. Uh, and there are some Christian uh, theological camps that do look at it that way, that, that Christ already brought the kingdom, and uh, 
there's there's nothing more except heaven to to be looking forward to. That is one theological camp. I'm in a theological camp that says uh, to us uh, that, uh, yes, the kingdom of God is here because it resides in the life of the believer, but yet also the kingdom of God is yet to come. Christ will yet come and will yet establish his kingdom on this earth. So there is the already and not yet aspect, and there's there's more that could be taught on that. There are volumes, there are debates, there are I say volumes, volumes of books, uh, and there are debates on these issues and whatnot. I'm giving you the skinny on it. Uh, I'm giving you the the simplified version of uh, of, of how I see it, uh, how this particular theologian sees it. I give it to you for your understanding in that way. Uh, then he goes into verse 22, and I, I probably will go over to another translation uh, as well as a paraphrase and look at this passage from some of those as well. But verse 22 says, he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will no long, uh, when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Let me read that again. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Don't go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, before that, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But the day Lot left solemn, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on, his, on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. And Where, Lord, they asked, he replied, where there is a dead body, there, are, there the vultures will gather. So he gets into the aspects now of judgment, and this is not the most pleasant of reading that we would have to do, but nonetheless, it is teaching being given by Jesus. Now, he is not saying that there is anything in verse 27 uh, with eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage, but here's what happened. The people in Noah's day, prior to the flood, had completely disregarded God. They had completely disregarded the ways of God. They had completely disregarded the the heart of God, they had completely uh, disregarded a relationship with God. Uh, they had become scoffers. 
especially looking at Noah and saying, what is this that you're building? It's rain. What even is rain? You're a crazy man, Noah. And yet he was being obedient to the Lord. Sometimes we're going to be told like Noah was that we're crazy people for following the Lord. We're going to be told that we're crazy people for going after the ways of Christ. We're going to be told that. Yes, we are. Quite simply. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, are you are you willing and ready to be like Noah in that way to be told that uh, you know what you what you're doing, what you're following, the ways that you're thinking just don't make no sense. I know that's not good English, but uh, that's the way I'm going to state it for this morning. Uh, there will be people, there's, there's this great work going on over here, there's that great work going on over there, and we need to look at those things. And when it seems like it is something unusual, it, it may just be unusual. I mean, God is at work all over this world, and sometimes people will say, well, he's he's only working in this particular place in Belfast, or he's only working in this particular place in Bangor, or he's only working at this particular place in Brunswick, or he's only working at this particular place in Bath, or he's only working at this particular place in Bethel. Uh, and we point to those, but yet God is at work in, in many churches all over the place. It may not be the the way that you think it ought to be or the way that I think it ought to be, but God is at work. God's kingdom is at work wherever there are believers. When he does come, he tells us in verse 24 that he will come in a, a rather uh, boisterous way, an unmistakable way, for he says the Son of Man in his day will be like uh, like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. I mean, we, we have all seen incredible uh, lightning storms, have we not? Uh, well, it, it, his coming is going to make the skies boom and thunder and trumpet, and he will light up the sky. But then he, he tells us before these things are going to happen in verse 25, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected. Now remember, he is talking to the disciples, and the disciples are are thinking, oh, this is all going to happen while we're alive. He's, uh, he's, he's come to establish his kingdom now. And in, in that sense, especially for them, the understanding of the kingdom uh, already and the kingdom not yet has a, an even more distinctive uh, feature and factor about it uh, because they were thinking that, that he was going to ride in on the donkey, take over, overthrow Rome, give Israel back all of its glory, uh, and that was their expectation. That was the kingdom that they thought was going to come, uh, and, and that not was not at all the kingdom that was going to come. Uh, it was going to come was not the kingdom, but the crucifixion. Uh, yet that crucifixion would launch uh, an eternal plan that could never be thwarted, that will never fade, that will co come into fruition at just the exact time that God wants it to come in. So, to think about these things. But then also, at that time of his second coming, 
will be a time of great judgment on the earth. We will have just come through the tribulation period, if, if that is how your uh, end times, the word for that is eschatology, if that is how your eschatology lines up, we will have just come through uh, a, a period uh, of the tribulation. You and I, as believers, if my theology is correct, we won't be here for any of that, or at least not for most of that, or at least not for the second half of that. I believe we won't be here for any of that. Uh, and at the end of that tribulation, then there will be an aspect of judgment, yet not not quite yet the final judgment that takes place uh, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is called the Great White Throne Judgment. Now, we go down a little bit deeper into the text here, and he gives the illustration of Noah. He gives the illustration of Lot. Again, the issue isn't eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. The issue is forgetting God. How easily do we forget God? How easily do, do, does, uh, do our thoughts about who God is uh, and what God can do elude us, escape us? It can happen so quickly. And it can stick there. It can stay there. And and the purpose, and you know, I am humbled. I, I have to say, I am humbled that there are people who get up at 6 a.m. or 5.55 a.m. to make themselves a cup of coffee uh, and get their listening device, whether it's a laptop or a cell phone or a tablet or a desktop turned on, who were ready at 6 o'clock to log into this very modest, very humble broadcast. I am humbled by that fact. I was thinking about that, Gene. You were the first in queue this morning and uh, just humbled to think that, that you all uh, log in and listen uh, as you do. So eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage, none of these things are, are wrong. It's the forgetting of God. And that's what they did in Lot's day. They went after their own morality. They went after their own own ways of doing things. And, and that's what the problem was uh, in that day. But yet, even as the fire and sulfur were poured down in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus says in verse 30, he says it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who's on his, the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. You can't take them anyway. The goods will be left behind. Only you will be transposed. Only you will be uh, lifted out. Only you will be raptured. Uh, not your possessions, not your cell phone, not your not your tablet, not your checkbook, not your debit card, not your cash. None of those things will be there. None of those things. Verse 31, on that day, no one is on his roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, the one in the field should not go back and and it says, you remember Lot's wife. What happened? She turned into a pillar of salt. 
whoever tries to keep his life, we, we try to hold on to so much in this world. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. I mean, will it be that way in your home? Uh, is, do you have a non-believing spouse? We should pray for them. Um, two people will be in one bed, uh, one raptured out, the other awakened to say, where did my spouse go? Where did my husband go? Where did my wife go? And to think about how it will be all over the world in that day when the rapture takes place. The Bible speaks of this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, let me let me take us into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to see another aspect of this. It says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, the falling asleep referencing death. Uh, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, that is that thunderous sound, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words, what we have to look forward to at the rapture of Christ. We're caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, the rapture what we're looking forward to and, and, and what we need to be ready for. In other aspects, there's the rapture that takes place prior to tribulation, if that is the theological camp that you land in. That is where I land. But then there is the second coming. They're not the same. The rapture is the Lord meeting us in the air. The second coming is when he will touch down on the earth, riding on his horse, bringing judgment, establishing his thousand-year reign on Christ, that takes place after the tribulation period. In, in that sense, then the kingdom of earth, a kingdom of God on earth will fully be established. Verse 18 said this, encourage one another or encourage each other with these words. And as Laura has noted, we have hope. We absolutely have hope. We have hope for escape from this world, from its suffering, from its heartache. We have that hope. Now, I'm going to put this into the into the message paraphrase just to see if it gives us any nuances of understanding. Jesus, grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come, answered, the kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on the calendar, nor when someone says, look here or look there. And why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. Now, the fact is, the king was standing right there with them as he said this. Jesus was right there. In that sense, the kingdom of God was already among them. 
he went on to say to his disciples, the days are coming when you you are going to be desperately homesick for just a glimpse of one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't see a thing. There will come those days. That it, it, some would take from this verse in this rendering, especially, uh, that we will go through the tribulation, and that's what makes God's people so homesick for a glimpse of one of those days of the Son of Man, but yet you won't see a thing. And they'll say to you, look over here or look there. Don't fall away for any, uh, don't fall for any of that nonsense. The arrival of the Son of Man is not something you go out to see. He simply comes, simply arrives, simply appears. You know the whole sky lights up from a single flash of lightning. That's how it will be on the day of the Son of Man. But first, it's necessary that he suffer many things and be turned down by people of today. The time of the Son of Man will be just like the time of Noah. Let me move the text. Everyone carrying on as usual, having a good time right up to the day of Noah. Noah boarded the ship. They suspected nothing until the flood hit and swept everything away. It was the same in the time of Lot. The people carrying on, having good time, business as usual, right up to the day that Lot walked out of Sodom and a firestorm swept down and burned everything to a crisp. That's how it will be, sudden, total, when the Son of Man is revealed. When the day, and notice it's capitalized, when the day arrives, you're not, uh, you're not, you're out working in the yard don't run into the house to get anything. If you're out in the field, don't go back and get your coat. Remember what happened to Lot's wife as she turned back. If you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. On that day, two men will be in the same boat fishing, one taken, the other left. Two women will be working in the same kitchen, one taken, the other left. Trying to take this all in, the disciples said, Master, where? And he told them, watch for the circling of the vultures. They'll spot the corpse first. The action will begin around my dead body. Now, this brings some insight into the fact that perhaps in verse 37, Jesus is pointing to the vultures circling around his crucified body. Well, the other thing that, that I would take out of verse 37 of any of the translations is that there are signs that are happening. Uh, David Jeremiah wrote the book, uh, Book of Signs. I would encourage you to pick up that book and read it uh, to help think, help yourself think through what are the signs coming at the end of the age that, that are pointing to the fact that we need to be ready for the appearance of Christ. Um there are signs. There are things. I, I, I do look up YouTube videos, uh, and I've got a few people that I, I kind of follow after a little bit uh, on the side of prophecy. Now, sometimes they say things, go, I don't quite know that I see it that way. But I try to be a student of these things. I try to understand what's the significance of the rebuilding of the temple that, that uh, the Jewish people so desperately want to rebuild. And apparently they have things ready to go. And within 90 days, the temple could be reestablished. What does that mean to us? What does that mean to the tribulation period? What does the demise of the dollar uh, or the establishment of a one-world currency, 
or one world government have to do with any of these things? Everything. And so we watch, and, and, and you can look at it and say, that's the vulture circling around, uh, wanting to gain control. These elite, maybe corrupt people wanting the control that the conspiracy theorists all point at. Uh, but there is a certain measure of truth that some of these things will happen, will bring us to the point of one world currency, a one world government. I believe those things will happen prior to the tribulation, establishing the uh, the table, setting the table uh, for the tribulation period to come. And we know when that happens, the coming of Christ is just around the corner. Until then, we live as subjects of the king. Uh, we live as subjects of the kingdom. We live to point others to Christ. That is why we're here. He didn't save us and just suck us up off this earth into heaven instantaneously to cause us to avoid pain and suffering. He left left us here that we would be the ambassadors of the kingdom of Christ right now to people who need to know the message. That's why we're here. So as we're eating, as we're drinking, as we're enjoying life, may we also be uh, subject to the kingdom. Well, I want to turn to a few prayer requests. There is one over here uh, that I'm noting. Walter Huss praying for a friend named Eddie Fackler. Uh, he was airlifted to Hershey Hospital Saturday with very serious life-threatening aortic dissection. Uh, he had emergency surgery to save his life, but still a life-death situation with many complications, and there are. Uh, Eddie and I went to school together. I think he was a year ahead of me in school uh, at Lancaster Bible College. Uh, and Wendy as well. So we do pray for Eddie in that way. Also, I did uh, did not share on the broadcast yesterday, but uh, Pastor Jacob's father did pass away yesterday morning at about 3.30 in the morning. So, Lord, we bring these requests to you. We pray for Ed. We pray for his wife, uh, that you would minister in their lives. Eddie should have died, according to what the doctor said. And uh, he's still here and still fighting. And and even in, in his moments of uh, lucidness, even kind of being a jokester from what I've read yesterday, but we do pray that you would be at work in his life, preserve his leg, preserve his life, um, preserve his organs. Lord, preserve him, we pray. We lift them to you, bring... Uh, healing, bring comfort, we pray. Lord, also for Pastor Jacob, that you would bring comfort to him, to his brothers, to his mother, to their families uh, at this time of sorrow. So Lord, hear our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap. Have a great day, everyone. Stay warm. We will see you tomorrow.